Fantastic. God is here. The Holy Spirit's going to touch us today. Just believing in a powerful way that people are going to be filled. That people have come into this place, I don't know who, I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up. But you feel half empty, maybe you feel fully empty. But God is going to fill people today. And, and not just fill them to just enough, but what does he promise? Overflow. Overflow. There's going to be an overflow today. And God's going to fill us today. So, in readiness for, we're moving on to John chapter 17. Let's just take a look at the screen, see what it's about. haven't worked it out yet it's talking about prayer and prayer is powerful prayer can change a nation prayer can prepare a heart to receive jesus prayer can move mountains faith is a mustard seed so prayer is powerful and uh john chapter 17 jesus the prayer not prayer but prayer he's a prayer and he's gotten to the point where he's shared everything that he can share with his disciples. And it's no surprise that moving into the next phase of what's about to happen, Jesus takes time to pray because prayer is powerful. And so let's get started. The clock is counting down uh, in, in what we're progressing through in John, the Gospel of John. It's counting down towards Jesus' crucifixion. So it's coming. And before he was arrested, he decides to pray. And this isn't unusual, of course, as we've read right up to this point, that Jesus' priority in life was prayer. He often prayed. The other gospel writers noted that Jesus often got up early to pray before his day was crowded with crisis and clutter and whatever was going to happen that day. Earlier in his ministry, Jesus taught his disciples to pray. We remember where he taught them to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, taught them how to pray. And uh, this prayer is repeated in many worship services around the world every Sunday, every time people gather. And so it's well known. But this time, Jesus prays in John chapter 17. And this is not the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, but it's the Lord's Prayer. (laughs) He's praying before he is taken. So in this chapter, we get to, I guess, eavesdrop. It's like we're a fly on the wall. John must have been within earshot. We're not sure whether he prayed in the presence of all his disciples or not, because it doesn't say. 
Uh, but John has obviously overheard him and enabled him to record the words of Jesus. And in this prayer, we get a brief glimpse into a conversation between members of the Godhead. We learn that Jesus prayed for himself, for his disciples, and for future believers. So let's get into it. John chapter 17, verses 1 to 2. And it says this, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. In other words, glory be. Glory be. Jesus said earlier in John chapter 16, I have overcome the world. He declared that to his disciples in chapter 16, verse 33. And this prayer that he's praying illustrates this. As he prayed for himself, Jesus focused on glorifying the Father, turning the spotlight of attention onto him. It's not about me, God, but it's about you. And it was time for Jesus to die, yet he brought glory to the Father. He didn't want a big note, hey, I'm, I'm about to go through the biggest suffering and it's all about me. There was no attention on himself at all as he prayed. It's probably a good lesson for us when we pray, isn't it? That we should be glorifying the Father. Glorifying, like what we did in worship today. He's worthy. Be exalted in the heavens. Less of me, more of you. When we let that transfer into our prayer language as we pray to God, because sometimes, and we've all perhaps been guilty of this, where prayer becomes about things we need or a little bit more navel-gazing, that kind of thing. We've all had seasons like that where we're just wanting a breakthrough in a certain area. But glorify Him and you will overcome. That's His promise to you because Jesus has already conquered. He's already overcome. So look to Him, the author and finisher of our faith. No matter what we're facing, allow Him to be with you as you overcome in life. So Jesus' whole ministry on earth had led to this point in time, coming up to His death. He left heaven to become a man for the sole purpose of dying for our sins so that we can have eternal life with God. And Jesus' request that he's making now, it's not a selfish one. Instead, he's asking God to draw attention to the supreme sacrifice of himself so that he in turn could focus people's attention towards the Father. That's what he's asking. Let's read verse 3 to 5. It says this, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. You know, what people say in private when they're praying it actually tells you a lot about the person. If there was a fly on the wall when you're praying, I wonder what we would learn about you. I wonder what you'd learn about me when I pray. What we do in private really reveals what's going on in our minds and in our hearts. If someone could listen to you privately talking to God, I wonder what they'd think. It's a good thing to think about, isn't it? I'm not going to ask you to answer that question, <laughs> but it's something to think about. What would they learn about us? See, the concept of eternal life 
is hard for many people to grasp. You know, we're, those of us that are saved, we love Jesus, we've lived our life for him. Even if we're a new Christian, we've got a little grasp of what eternal life is about. But those that aren't part of God's family just yet, that haven't accepted Jesus into their heart, perhaps don't totally grasp the concept of eternal life. They're busy living in the now. So here Jesus makes it clear that it actually can be quite easy to understand. Eternal life is personally knowing the one true God and Jesus Christ, the Son. Eternal life is not only what we can have after death, but it's living the best life that you can right now. And Jesus reported to his Father that he brought God glory by finishing his work, dying on the cross. He's talking as if it's done. And, and I guess that leaves us no doubt that Jesus knew it was going to happen. He's God after all. So then he asked that God would return the glory he had before he created the world and before he came to earth. That glory is a glow or light so brilliant, uh, so blinding that no human could possibly look at it. That's how bright this glory is. It'd be like standing in front of the sun, except not looking at it from 93 million miles away, but being right there. You'd basically go into a crisp. That's, that's the best sort of example I can give, I think, to what it would be like to see the glory of the Lord. You know, what's involved in knowing Christ and what is involved in gaining a deeper knowledge of Him? Well, first, knowing Christ involves knowing something about Him. You know, if you said that you knew someone, there's something you would know about them, at least one thing, because otherwise you wouldn't know them. Uh, secondly, knowing Christ involves intimacy of relationship. So this closeness, getting to know each other and, and being intimate, as in communicating directly with each other, sharing life's most difficult challenges together. That's an intimate relationship. And lastly, knowing Christ means a growing knowledge, and that's important. Let us not be Christians who think, look, I've studied the Bible, I've been a Christian since the days of Noah, I know absolutely everything there is to know, and, uh, and so I'm not going to study anymore, or, because I, I've got it. I've got it. I've, I've arrived. I know everything. You know what? We never arrive. Even the greatest theologians continue studying, continue looking at the Word, pulling it apart, learning, because that's an intimate relationship with Christ, having that desire to continually delve into the Word, delve into that relationship with Him, and continue to get to know Him even more. You see, at the end of Jesus' earthly life, He's able to say that he had completed the work God gave him to do. The Apostle Paul actually said the same thing. He said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. So I want to ask you today something again to ponder. Will you be able to say the same thing when you reach the end of your life? That you've run your race, that you've fought the good fight, and that you've finished the race See, God doesn't leave us in the dark when it comes to knowing the work he wants us to do. If you ask him, he will show you. If you submit to him, he will lead you and guide you, and you will continue on your race of life. Micah 6 verse 8 uh, says it this way. He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. If you say to me, Pastor Jeremy, what's the purpose of God for my life? Well, read that verse. The verse simply tells us, He's shown you what is good 
what the Lord requires of you, to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. If you did that, whatever God puts in your path and you did that, you are running your race. Matthew 28, 19 to 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And he's not just talking to evangelists there. He's talking to us all. Everyone can lead one to Christ and make a disciple. A disciple is a follower of Jesus. And so if you said to me, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with my life, well, read that verse, a couple of verses there. That'll encourage you with something to take action on. What about this one in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 to 16? Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, but do not forget to be, do good and to share for which such sacrifices God is well pleased. Give God praise and do good. Oh, Pastor Jeremy, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. Well, read that verse. That might give you a good idea of what you're meant to do. Praise the Lord and do good. James says this, 127. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Well, what do I do with my life, Pastor Jeremy? Read that verse. Maybe go and visit some orphans or some widows and help them out. Do their backyard, like fix it up or do something. Mow a lawn, trim a garden hedge, prune some roses, whatever it is, whatever God puts on your heart. But you know what? The Bible is full of instruction and direction from the Lord as to what we should do with our lives. So if you're struggling, there's some good scriptures to take note of and go back and read so that you can go, you know what? I need to do more of that in my life so that I'm doing the will of God. Let's continue in John chapter 17. Verse 6 to 8 says this. I've manifested your name to the man whom you have given me, to the men who you, who you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I've given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me know-it-alls <laughs> after praying for himself jesus prayed for his disciples so there's a shift in the prayer now he's prayed for himself he's now praying for the men that god put around him his disciples and he'd re revealed to the 11 men plus judas who had left who god is what he is like through the way that he lived and, and also what god wants to teach and also what miracles that Jesus did. It was all life lessons on the journey that Jesus was sharing with them. Uh, at the start there it says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have yet. So manifested, the Greek word translated manifested in that verse is used um, with a person to show that person's character, to make him or her visible and clear. So that's what Jesus is saying. I've shown the character of God and I've revealed him to you. It also means to uncover or to lay bare. So in other words, uh, let's remove the mystery and the, uh, the religion of the curtains closed and only the holy of holies can go. A priest has to go in there and he's removed all of that and revealed who God is and laid it bare before the disciples. You know, often it was used in conjunction with the personal appearance 
of a deity, like it's manifested and there's, there's God. Uh, as a result, they believed in Jesus and obeyed his words. Because Jesus testified to who God was, what he looked like, what his character was like, uh, Jesus has revealed God. And they accepted what Jesus said as being the words of God, and so therefore they believed that Jesus was God. They'd reached that point. You know, once again, the towering truth of God's message comes to the forefront here. Too many people are looking for a miracle when God is concerned about giving them a message. Often God is wanting to speak to us. We're looking for the sensational and the miraculous. And I love that. I love seeing healings. I love seeing... But sometimes God is also wanting to give us a message. And sometimes because we're looking for something a bit different to what, I guess, what God's wanting to do, we miss it. Because, oh, well, I thought this would happen. But God's over here trying to give us a message. So before Jesus came to earth, God revealed himself through his names. Did you know that? Each name, who's done his study on the names of God? It's really cool. Each name uh, pictures an aspect of his character. Years ago, I mean still today, a lot of parents name their children because of the meaning in the name, because they want to speak that over their life. But it doesn't happen all the time now. But definitely back in this culture, names are important. Let's just throw up, we'll throw up some names of God there. You probably know a lot of these, but Elohim is creator. That's what it says about the creating nature of our God. Our God is Elohim, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Everything that you can see, he's in control. Jehovah is a self-existent one, the I am, Jehovah. El Shaddai is almighty God. There's no other God greater than El Shaddai because he is almighty Adonai is Lord or Master. Uh, Jehovah Jireh, we hear that one a lot about God providing. Jehovah Rapha, God heals. Do you believe that? God still heals today. I've been healed myself. So I can testify to God's healing power. There are some people who think that God's healing has stopped. God's miracles have stopped. And and he doesn't move like that anymore. It couldn't be further from the truth in my opinion. Uh, Jehovah Shalom, God is peace. Who needs a bit of that? (laughs) When you need peace, you just call him Jehovah Shalom. Thank you for my peace in the midst of my storm. And Jehovah Rahi, God, my shepherd, he cares for you. Like the story of the lost sheep, he'll come hunting you down when you get lost. Because he is Jehovah Rahi, our shepherd. See, there's power in the name. And that's why he's the name above every name, because God has many names. That's not an exhaustive list by any means. We could be here all day and maybe four months uh, of Sundays to learn and study and go through every single name that we can call God. All I know is that he is the name above all names. And it doesn't matter what you're facing. doesn't matter what your situation is, how difficult it is. Go to Jesus. Go to our God. And he is the name above every name. And he has the answer and solution for everything that you face. Glorify him in the midst of that challenge and watch what he does. It'll be powerful. All right, let's keep going. Verse 9 to 10 says this. I pray for them. This is Jesus continuing to pray for his disciples. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me. For they are yours and all mine are yours and yours are mine And I am glorified in them. We're talking about uh, community 
property people. Yours, they, mine, and they're yours, and, and we're, we're all together. You see, as Jesus prayed, he focused on the disciples whom God had given him. These men belonged to both Jesus and the Father since they shared everything because they're the Trinity. They're all Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So everything that each does is unto the other. They were the men whose lives brought glory to Jesus and would continue to do so after the resurrection from the dead, which is why Jesus saw it fit to pray for them, because he knew what was coming. He knew that challenges would come, that they would be persecuted for their faith. Just like we are today, we are persecuted, we are challenged, we are, we are stretched, aren't we, in every direction because of what we believe versus what the culture of the world coming against us says. So be strong in those times and don't go at war with the world because the Bible predicts this is going to happen. It's not about a war against the world, but it's about glorifying Jesus no matter what. So whatever comes against you, you just you, your authority is him. You exalt him in every circumstance. See, let's read 11 and 12. Now I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that scripture might be fulfilled. You see, Jesus was going back to the Father. He knew that was coming. But he would leave the disciples behind in the world, just as we are in the world today. And, and, and the disciples were to tell people about Jesus, about salvation, through believing in him. So while Jesus was on earth, he was able to keep them safe. But he did lose Judas, I guess. So, you know, 11 out of 12 ain't bad, maybe. I don't know how you look at it. But it was Judas's decision to reject Jesus's protection. It was his choice. He made a choice. The cool thing is, is that God was in control and he knew it was coming. So it's not like it was, oh, that's from left field that Judas decided to do that. God is in control. Jesus leaving uh, is prompting the first of four prayer requests for all his disciples. Protection is the first thing. When the disciples would start preaching about Jesus, they would need protection from Satan, God's enemy, who still comes and uh, controls the world uh, system. But Satan does everything he can to get people to turn away from God. Have you noticed that? Especially when someone gives their heart to the Lord early on, it's like Satan goes into overdrive to try and make them think that they made a poor decision or pull them back into what they've turned away from. Uh, he, he works hard because he doesn't like souls being saved because it means another one for the kingdom of God. So Satan does everything he can to get people to turn away from God. It was a sure thing that the disciples were going to get persecuted. You kind of, you know, you'd bet your house on it. Not that you bet because we're in church. So when Jesus asked the Father to protect them in his name, he asked God to keep them with his power and authority. And that's the ultimate protection that... Anything, anybody can have. God's power and authority ruling and reigning over their life. It's powerful. So Jesus' second request now, he moves on to um, praying for their oneness with him. So their relationship with him. Like the father and the son are one. He's talking about the disciples being in unity and in relationship with him. See, the members of the Trinity live in perfect harmony. 
with one another, and they have a oneness of purpose. So to do, and they do the Father's will because of that. Jesus wants his followers to have that same relationship. He wants that oneness in spirit, that togetherness. And the enemy comes to divide, divide and conquer. That's what he wants to do. He wants division. He wants people to have different opinions and then for people to get so bent on their opinion that it removes them from the oneness because all of a sudden that opinion is more important than unity because everyone just needs to come on the same page as me because don't they understand that I know everything and you've got to follow me? It's not like that. Everyone has different opinions, different ideas, but the enemy sneaks in and tries to use that to cause division. Don't allow him to do that. I'm not saying don't have an opinion. That's different. What I'm saying is, is that have your different opinion, but still have that sense of oneness, that belonging, that, that we're in this together. That's important. It includes showing what Jesus is like by the way we live, what we say, even as he showed what the Father is like by the way he lived. That's what Jesus is asking, praying for his disciples, that they would demonstrate a Christ-likeness in their demeanor and in their interactions with one another. And you've seen, those of you that have seen The Chosen with us, you can see the disciples butt heads a bit. They've got different opinions, different ideas, but he's praying for that oneness despite that. Jesus didn't pray that all people who call themselves Christians would come together in one organization. Don't misinterpret that. Christians would come together in one organization is not on the agenda here. He never asked us to give up our biblical beliefs and tolerate false teachings. He never asked that. And, and he never asked us to do that for the sake of oneness. So never relent on what your conviction of what you believe is. That's important. But I believe because Jesus is our cornerstone, we have a commonness in our belief. Even the body of Christ, the different denominations, yes, they have different ways that they celebrate, different religious things that they do. But if Christ is their cornerstone, that is our common ground. That is where we can come together as the body of Christ and agree. Jesus died for our sins, and, uh, and, and that's our common denominator. Don't, don't get caught in the accusations at different churches because they celebrate or worship a different way or follow a different ritual, and, and that means that they're sinners or whatever, or, or evil. Or Don't get caught up in that stuff. Just get caught up in who Christ is, our cornerstone, our foundation, and that is our common ground. And that's where we can agree that Jesus is Lord, because of that understanding that we share. Is that cool? Because sometimes we get caught on that. We get caught on that. We look at other denominations. I'm not going to name anyone, but you probably know in your head a few that you can think of. And, and, and we point fingers at them and we accuse them and, we, and we're real derogatory towards them sometimes. We've got to catch ourselves because it's not about that. It's about who Christ is in your life and in the lives of others and that's what we share, a common denominator in who Christ is. Very good. Let's read verse 13. The name that protects, that's Jesus. Verse 13. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that you may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. In other words, say it with me. Bring on the joy. Who wants a bit of joy? Come on, bring on the joy. See, in light of going back to the Father... Jesus made his third request on behalf of the disciples that they would have joy. No matter how much they would mourn his death or be persecuted after his resurrection, they could be filled with joy. And remember, joy comes from relationship 
with Jesus, not from our outward circumstances. It's very different. He is the source of joy. Like in Nehemiah when they built the, the wall. And in 8 verse 10, then he said to them, this is after they've finished the job, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. They need, it is a good song and it's a good statement. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I said at the start of the service when I started speaking, that people are feeling empty and that there are people that are maybe, I don't know, maybe you feel half full. Maybe you're having a tough season right now. God is going to renew your joy today. He's going to fill you from the bottom of your toes to the top of your head with his joy. You know why? Because he wants you to be strong. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. Psalm 16 verse 11 puts it this way, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So I'm going to do a little bit of a, a science experiment. Jeremy, can you help me and wheel this contraption over here and uh, pray that this works? <laughs> Who loves science? Okay, so this is going to be a little, little bit different. All right. All right. Very good. The camera can see it. I don't know if they can. They see it. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so I've got a couple of balloons. Got a candle. So, so I want to talk to you about two things: happiness and joy. Who thinks they're the same? No. Okay. All, all of you can go to the head of the class. That's very good. They are very different. See, see, this is. They do look the same. There's some happiness. He looks pretty happy, doesn't he? Yeah, he's got a big smile. And we can put a smile on, can't we? We can put a smile on and pretend we're happy, but maybe on the inside we're struggling and hurt and, and doing it tough. But then this guy here, he looks happy too, doesn't he? He's got a big smile. But I'm telling you that this is representing joy. I'll tell you why, because you can see he's filled with something, right? For us to be filled with joy, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We are filled with Christ the Son in our hearts living our life for Jesus. We are filled with something. And this is a difference between joy and happiness because, you see, happiness, when the challenges of life come, and they do, don't they? Who's had a challenge once in your life? You know, just a really... Anyone? <laughs> so let's... Um, I'm just going to move this over here. How much time have we got? Is that what you're saying? Let's just... Uh... It is. Hang on. I've got to put this down. I only have one match left. That's a worry. Can someone go to the kitchen maybe and find me more matches? Because I'm going to need one more. I didn't, I didn't check that beforehand. Just relax. So, this fire that you see represents the troubles of life. I'm going to move this one over here. No, no, it's still there. Come on. It's okay. <laughs> Move it in the middle. Okay, there we go. That's good. Hopefully we find more because we're going to need more. But you see, when, when, when we're pretending to be happy, like we've got the smile, we're happy, everything's good, but then the troubles of life come, what happens? It can rob us of our happiness, can't it? It's very quick for our happiness 
to be gone. And there is going to be a bang. So if you have a phobia of balloons popping, you know, happiness gets close. I really should be wearing safety goggles and uh, warn the people in the front row. But, you know, happiness comes and... Oh, it wasn't a big bang. That wasn't a big bang. But see, it puts the fire out. So, oh, good. Look, that's even better. Okay. So we can be happy on the outside and have the big smile going on and whatever. But um, happiness is, I guess, frivolous to when troubles of life come. You can't pretend to be happy when times are tough. You lose your happiness. But see, when you have your joy on and we get filled by the Holy Spirit and we have Jesus in our heart, and I'm really praying hard that this works. (laughs) But when you are filled, you come to the troubles of life. The challenges come and the flame does not. Have you seen that before? Don't say yeah, just say no. Wow, Jeremy, you're amazing. That's so brilliant. (laughs) When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, with the presence of the Lord, with Jesus in our heart, we can't be destroyed or popped or exploded or obliterated like old mate Happy here who now looks like this because we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we remain whole throughout the difficult seasons of life. And that's why the joy of the Lord is so important. It is so important to hold on to your joy. And I know people in this room, I've been here for nine years, and many of you I know, you've gone through life's most difficult moments. And some of you even right now are facing a difficult challenge. And I don't have words for you other than hold on to the joy of the Lord. Because that is your strength. Not Anita and myself, although we'll do what we can to support you. But if you're relying on us, uh, we're going to let you down. Because we're not the joy of the Lord. We, we, we can point you to that joy. Hold on to the Lord in the tough times, in the storms of life. Allow His joy to fill you. And you'll be impenetrable. I can't believe that just doesn't. Look at that. Impenetrable. There's a word. I made that word up. Anyway, thanks, Jeremy. If you move that away, and uh, we're going to come to a close. So if you want, James, come on up and play for me. <laughs> it does smell a bit. Sorry about that. But at least you're not covered in water. <laughs> you move. That was smart. That was smart. Church, the word for you today is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with Jesus in your heart. Draw on that in those challenging times. If you're one of those people in this place today and you need filling, I'm going to simply get you to invite Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to come in and fill you to overflowing. Because that's what you need. That is your answer. That is your solution. The Scripture tells us, you will show me the path of life in the presence, in your presence is fullness of joy presence of the Lord is here this morning. I don't know you, but worship was awesome. And he's still here. He doesn't leave when the keyboard stops playing, although now it's playing again. Thanks, (laughs) James. (laughs) But the joy of the Lord is here. And I don't know about you. You can keep playing. Sorry. (laughs) This is his first time playing. Give him a hand. He's doing very well for us. First time playing here. You're a blessing. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So... I want us to just humble ourselves just for a moment. Because sometimes when you do things like this, you're like, oh, I don't want to be brave and respond because I don't want people to think that I'm 
weak or that I'm, you know, lacking in something. But this is the church. If we can't be open in ourselves in the church, uh, where can we be? You know, the world judges us, the world appoints, but here, no. Here you're with family. And so if you're in this place and you need filling today, I want to invite you to come. Come and fill the front right now. Don't delay. The altar is open for you. If you need something from the Holy Spirit today to top you up, to fill you up, maybe you've had the toughest week of your life, you need to come out here. You need to come. You need to be brave. And just come and allow God to fill you today because His presence is here. And I want to pray for each one of you that the Lord would fill you. God bless you as you come. Come right out. Come, come, come. presence of Jesus is here. If you're down the front, I just want you to, if you're able to, lift your hands up. If you can't, just put them in front of you, whatever you need to do. But I want you to be in that ready to receive position. And we're just going to pray for people this morning. Father God, we thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. Well, you pray too, church. You help me pray. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. Jesus, that you would come and fill each one each one's hearts, Father God. Lord, that you would bless and minister to their situation, to their circumstance. Holy Spirit, touch them, I pray. Fill them to overflowing in Jesus' name. Fill them today, Lord. Where there is lack, let there be increase. Lord, where there is uh, no provision, we thank you for provision. Lord, we thank you for breakthrough. Lord, that you would pierce hearts and minds today, Lord that you would renew that passion for life, that zeal, Lord God, that we once had when perhaps when we first surrendered our lives to you. We just pray, Father God, for an infilling today. Lord, remind us of that, that time when we gave our life to you and Lord, we were so full of life. Lord, take us back to that place. Take us back to that hunger. Lord, fill us to overflowing again. May we be vessels that carry your Holy Spirit. Lord, that we would be shining lights. Lord, that we would be beacons in our community because of the glow that is in us, because of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. So, Father God, I just pray for each one that you would touch, that you would fill, that you would bless. Lord, people that have come in with their head hanging low, Lord, that you would be the lifter of our head today. Lord, because you are victorious and we declare your victory over each person, over each life in this place today. Father God, that you would move powerfully. Holy Spirit, that you would move. Lord, that you would bless. Lord, that you would come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Well, let's sing this song. See if I remember it. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Fall afresh on me. Fill us, Lord God. Satisfy my need. Satisfy my need. Only you, only you can make me whole. 
Fall on us, Lord God. Jesus, fall afresh on me. Lord, we thank you for new seasons. Lord, we thank you for something fresh to blossom in this life. Lord, as you fill to overflowing again, may we be used by you in a powerful way, in a new way. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for filling us to overflowing, falling afresh on us. In Jesus' name, come and have your way. Have your way, Holy Spirit. We surrender to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, sing this together. Only you. pray for each one at the front here. Lord, as you minister, I just pray that they would leave this place different from when they came in. Lord, that they may have come in half empty, empty, struggling, whatever it is. But Holy Spirit, that you have, by faith, I believe, filled each person from the top of their head to the tip of their toes. Lord, that you have blessed them and you have filled them, that they would leave with the joy of the Lord as their strength today. God, that they would be more than overcomers, more than conquerors because of the joy that fills their hearts in this place. Lord, I thank you for transforming lives, for changing people's hearts, for doing something powerful in our midst today in each and every life. And may there be glorious testimony of your goodness, Lord, because of what you've done in people's hearts in this place today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, everyone shouted. Amen glorify Him, give Him praise, He's worthy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. One last thing I'd like to do as we close. You don't have to rush away if you want to stay, but whatever you need to do. Some of you can't walk. That's okay. <laughs> if you're, Yeah, if you're in this place and you need Jesus, or maybe you're online and you're like, what are these people just all doing? You need Jesus because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you don't want to be like that balloon that's just happy anymore, that just pops at the minute of any trouble. You want to be like that balloon that, that when it has something inside it, and it's Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit. When that fills that vessel, you, the balloon, it doesn't explode at the minute that there's pressure. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so if you need Jesus, with every head bowed and every eye closed, in this place, if you want to receive him today and you want that joy that gives you that strength to persevere in life, I want to encourage you in just a moment to lift up your hand and say, yes, Pastor Jeremy, that's me. If you're at home in your living room, just it, God wants to see your response. I don't need to see your hand. God sees your heart. And so if you're in this place and you need Jesus, you want to surrender to him, just lift up your hand right now. And I want to include you in a prayer as we close our meeting this morning. Yeah, I see that hand. That's good. Surrender to Jesus and he will become your strength. I see that hand. That's great. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. People responding online as well. We just trust. Father God, we're going to pray. Would you just pray this prayer after me? Dear Jesus, we thank you that you came and gave your life so that we could live. I repent 
And I'm sorry for everything I've done. And I thank you that I am forgiven because of your finished work on the cross. And so I declare with my mouth, you are my Lord. You are my strength. And I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. So now I am a Christian, saved by grace. And I choose to live my life for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we thank God for breaking through in people's lives today with salvation, with joy. God is good, amen. God is good. Hey, let's get together Tuesday for all our volunteers. It's exciting. I know you're pumped to come. Six o'clock, let's have soup together and promise you we'll be done by seven. I think I said 7.30. Was that my promise? 7.30 is the promise. We'll be done by then, so it won't be a late night. So if kids need to come, they can too. But uh, God bless you and be filled with the joy of the Lord because that is your strength. Lord, I pray for your church. Lord, I pray your blessing on them as we go about our week and what's ahead. Lord, I just thank you that you are in control, that you are the Lord. You are the provider of all good things. You are the provider of joy. And we stand on that joy because it's our strength. We trust in that joy because it's from you. And so fill us to overflowing this week, Lord, that we may be more than conquerors in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. There is one more thing we really should do. And I realize I failed to mention as I'm praying at the end there. But we do have a new prime minister. And I know some of you will be excited. Some of you will not because that's the glory of democracy. Uh, But you know what? As a church, and and I'll never change this, we always honor the office. And and so we have a new prime minister and we need to pray for him because he needs help just like the last one. And, uh, and so let's do that this morning as we close. Father, we thank you for our democracy. Lord, we know at times things don't appear as they are and, and we get worked up. But Lord, in this moment, we choose to thank you for our prime minister and the office that he holds. Lord, he needs your wisdom. He needs you in his life. And so God, we just pray that you would touch him that you would move powerfully in his life, in his family's life, in the life of that party. Lord, that in that party room, there would be an undeniable presence that you would make yourself known. Father God, as they lead our nation, may they use wisdom that comes from you, we pray. In Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Be praying for your leaders, and it's Colin's birthday. (laughs) 